Kristen whispers sonnets. Join me for a sonnet bedtime treat. Hello, everybody. <laughs> it's Kristen Garth. And I just had a great little movie Sunday afternoon. I watched the movie Let Them All Talk with Meryl Streep. And it was just delightful. Um, it was a great movie about writers and people, especially, I mean, I said something on Twitter about it while I was watching it where I said it was, you know, a great movie for people who write about other people. And someone was like, who doesn't write about other people who's a writer? But, um... I didn't want to make that generalization because, you know, you get like, oh, I'm not that kind of writer. I don't, I don't do that, you know, and so I don't, you know, want to talk for other people and how they do things, but I for sure um, <laughs> write about both myself and at times other people, and when I've had the experience of, you know, hurting people's feelings, you know, when I wrote about someone else and not wanting to do that, you know, but I was involved in the story too. I don't usually write a story that didn't happen to me at all. I might write an exchange with another person where it happened to me and they are, you know, involved in the story. I mean, I don't, I would never out them or anything like that, but I, you know, <laughs> but I've had that experience where they said, oh, that, you know, makes me feel bad, you know, like, and you know, understandably so, you know, and it's not comfortable. And that's how this movie is about um, old friends who have known each other for so many years and going through that experience of, um, you know, like having to, as the movie poster says, right your wrongs, you know, where you are at that, you know, maybe trying to make amends with people who you hurt with your writing and maybe you know, you didn't intend to hurt the way you did, but you did, you know, and taking responsibility, but it's a great, I enjoyed it, it was, I had a lot of feel-good moments about it, and, um, in addition with being, like, a serious movie about, also about different types of writers and how we view people who are literary versus how sometimes people who are genre writers can be, um, looked at in, in ways that aren't accurate, you know, that they, you know, they don't care about craft when, for example, the writer who plays the genre writer in this movie, which is, I think, obviously based on James Patterson, is so gracious and such an obvious, voracious reader of everything. He, he reads everybody and obviously, um, you know, absorbs, you know, a lot of literature. And um, he's able to talk about the Meryl Streep's writing with, you know, great um, eloquence. And so... I just, I liked everything about it because I'm not a person who wants, who thinks that being a snobby, like, gatekeeper of writing is what writing is about. I think, you know, there's a difference of praising or, you know, work and and, and condemning people that, who are lazy. And I, I'm not a fan of laziness, but at the same time, I there's no genre of writing that I think is, you know makes you essentially a bad writer because you write that or um you know things like that I I don't like generalizations either so I like people or competitions I like people who work hard and are happy to um you know just like be able to um 
put out their work and for what it is and not worry about, you know, being ranked or trying to be better than a certain person or whatever, but taking from it, you know, wow, this is a culmination of a great deal of work and, you know, what a success for me that I accomplished that and without it being in relation to other people that I don't have a fondness for. But anyway, I'm talking a long time about what is not our subject today because what is our subject today is called sock slut. (laughs) And while I am a sonnet slut for sure and prolific and (laughs) in that area, I'm also very prolific in my sock photography and sock wearing and sock collection. So these um, poems I'm going to read today are all about being a sock slut and owning it. And so (laughs) I am going to go ahead and read the first one of those. And it is called Sock Slut. Two legs and ponies prancing strut. A chest of socks that won't quite shut. A maxed out visa Cruel clerks can cut, stripe of flesh, thigh high, argyle, smut, a cotton climax, a stock of stores and styles galore, target princess, Walmart, whore, no knee socks left in her hometown, safari hunts requisite for pears unfound, such snug secrets on skin. Pictures, poses, provocateur. She talks to strangers, young, mature. Photo shoots in heels in bed, with socks on arms and bows on head. Acrylic, paisley, prostitute. Be it addiction or stylistic rut. Her game is gams, no shame. Her name, sock slut. So anyway, um, this poem, and I wrote it, it became a a name of a digital book that I did, and that's like one of the few digital books I've done. I've mostly done print books because I'm just addicted to paper, and I just like, um, I'm a very sensual touch person, and I like to feel, you know, I want to hold my book in my hands, but I, at the same time, as I say this, I read a lot of digital books, and so... I shouldn't be, that's again, probably my little snobbery, you know, of, that I should let go of, and, but I just can't, I mean, I I like having a shelf of books that I've written, and that I can go pulling out, and, you know, flip through the pages, I like tangible, I like to feel it in my hands, so, anyway, um, I, um, when I wrote Sock Slut, though, it is um, available. You can, th- there's a link to it on my website if you ever want to um, download the book. And um, it, you know, it's a lot of sock poem sonnets. And they're, you know, they're just a pleasure. They're all just feel good because that's how socks, what they represent to me is feeling confident and feeling held on your body, <laughs> like a hug for your legs. And I, when I was stripping, you know, I didn't wear a lot of clothes. Obviously, you strip down, but I always kept my socks on with high heels. And that was part of my whole aesthetic. And so it, it was a security blanket for me, like quite literally. So I really um, 
all these poems just represent that to me, like comfort, like um, very cozy socks on a warm, on a cold night, you know, snuggled in bed. That's my one of my all-time favorite feelings. And here is knee sock code. When they are pink, I giggle, wink, and bounce. Your knee becomes a slide to lap I ride to ecstasy, my dimpled cheeks announce. My socks assign a child still hides inside. When they are black, I crave attack. Demon demands, disgrace so dark my own's displaced. Your horns and porn, secrets eaten off hardwood floors, a beast who begs for bones. Above the tree, a map, a swath of skin you long to slap. From pale to pink, so slick between bare thighs, I punctuate so prim with painted toes, your arrow erotic. A cotton couple, little heart unlocks, desire deciphered in the choice of socks. And um, <laughs> I like the idea. That poem came from my whole um, time in, you know, the BDSM world. And there was a whole um, kind of a code thing with handkerchiefs in that world where, for example, I was into age play. And that was like, if you're dark, something dark green, <laughs> you know, um, it, it insinuated that or a different thing. You could go to a party where, you know, that sometimes they'd have like casual BDSM parties where people are just trying to meet each other and they don't know what they're into and they'd wear a certain color, you know, to kind of give an idea like, oh, this is what I'm into and you're wearing it too. And that it was like a, a shorthand. And so I like that idea with knee socks that a girl could make a little code of her feelings that maybe she doesn't want to express with words, but um, what mood she's in. <laughs> with her socks and so anyway that's how that began and I came up with the different little things and I'm the things about sentences are short and I could probably have 50 moves of <laughs> knee sock code could be um many many sonnets but um that's just a few moods that I incorporated with colors and I really like it but um I thought this was kind of, you know, it's kind of a funny time to be doing a sock slut episode at the holidays. And next week will be Christmas episode, although, you know, <laughs> if it's Kristen Garth Christmas episode, you know, it's going to be a little bit twisted. So I'm calling it Tinsels and Torture because I just published a Wednesday, a new Wednesday Adams poem in a um, Winter Wonder Mare um, issue of Daily Drunk. And in that issue, you were supposed to um, write about, you know, scary things. So I wrote um, all, like, a bunch of things that Wednesday Adams would want and, um, for Christmas into a sonnet. And, you know, there's a lot of tortures in there. So hence the title next week, Tinsels and Torture. But don't think it's going to be all super dark because I also wrote a poem for um, another journal that was a lot more... Um, you know, tame, and they, you know, wanted something, you know, traditional, or 
uh, again, it's not quite traditional because it's it's definitely about um, a sexual Christmas poem. But I mean, I think sex is a part of Christmas. I mean, gifts, giving, uh, you know, definitely I'm a giver. So I, you know, I'm all about a giving holiday. And, um, but it, this poem was called Christmas Isle. And, you know, it's, it's all about two lovers going, making their own little tiny island of lust you know, based on Christmas, but, so it's not, you know, there'll be a lot of, you know, there'll be a variety, we go everywhere, but it's called Tinsels and Torture, so look forward to that next week, but this week, I thought, well, I hadn't, um, done a sock slut episode yet, and I love reading those poems because they're just, if you can't tell, I like performing them, they're, um, I've done it a lot because I had to, when I recorded the Sock Slut um, digital book, it has an audio element, and my the whole the microphone that I have for recording the podcast came from my publisher, because he, um, you know, wanted me to record these so many times, and uh, he got me a good microphone, so um, that was nice, but anyway, I, so I'm very familiar with these poems and reading them, and I'd wanted to do it, and I thought, well, it's Christmassy, I don't know if that's right, but I mean, hey, Christmas stockings, why not Christmas socks, and, (laughs) or Christmas socks, so anyway, (laughs) that's where we are, next week will be tradition, more, a Kristen Garth version of a traditional Christmas, but, um, I'm gonna read the next poem, and this one, I'll just give you a little introduction. It's called Again, and it was one I wrote. It's one of my favorite poems. Um, it uh, was one that I wrote about stripping, and, uh, you know, it was really, at the time that I was stripping, it was very hard to have a, a relationship because I live in the South, and people are very puritanical, and even people who come into the club and who are like very enthusiastic to be in the strip club and think you are like a goddess there would never be seen with you in public because you are now marked as a stripper. And that was a lot of what my book, Candy Cigarette, Woman Child Noir, was all about was that um, fear um, of, you know, <laughs> that I would never you know, have what other people have because I'm marked as this other, as this different person because of the job that I did, which ironically I did to escape abuse by people who look like very puritanical, proper Puritans, you know, and who fit into that system somewhat, even though they had uh, unusual religion, you know, they were Mormon in the deep South, and that's not, you know, one of the acceptable religions really to be, so they were kind of different too, but a lot more fit in, you know, a lot more part of the community than I thought I could be at that time, so it was, um, (laughs) you know, uh, there was just a lot of sadness during my time because that coupled with a lot of happiness of becoming free, but it becoming free at a price I felt because I was making money and I wasn't financially dependent on my parents, which financial dependence was a big part of how they kept control. You know, um, I wasn't allowed to work growing up and they wanted me to be financially dependent because then they could keep control of me. So I knew I needed to have a job I couldn't have a job that was like, oh, 
you know, maybe I'll be able to make it. And if I have a bad month, I can go to my parents and they'll help me because that wasn't an option. I, I needed to completely cut ties. So stripping, when I got that opportunity to do that, seemed like the perfect job to do that with because, you know, you make a good income and I didn't have to work super hard. I mean, like it was very hard the nights that I worked. It was the most grueling job I ever did because physically, I mean, um, you know, you earned your money that you made. I mean, doing table dances, I mean, that sometimes I would, my thighs would kill me from, because you're basically like doing squats, you know, like for an entire night. Like if you have a good night at work and you make your money doing table dances, you are not going to be walking <laughs> easily the next day. I mean, you, it, it is a tough job on your body, you know? But, and, you know, crawling around on a stage, I mean, like, that for a long time after I worked as a stripper, I, my knees were just, like, I couldn't bear to um, have any contact of anything on my, I couldn't get on the ground on my knees, like, that's kind of embarrassing, you know, uh, like, as an amateur, you know, for quite some time, you know, because all the crawling around on that stage when you're drunk and you're not even thinking of what you're doing, you're just making a lot of money and you, you know, it's rough. It's a very rough job. And, and then you come home and you're alone, you know, and especially where I lived. I mean, I knew people that I worked with who had boyfriends and eventually I did even have a husband for a time while I was stripping that was a, a bad situation, but, um, but everybody I knew that got into relationships, it was like, you know, um, maybe it was because, you know, you, because of your situation and feeling vulnerable, you accepted things that you shouldn't accept sometimes. And I'm not saying there are nobody that has good relationships, but where I worked, there were a lot of people who, if they were in relationships, including myself, it was not a great relationship, you know, it was somebody who, you know, was, you know, they, you put up with things because you wanted that mark of, oh, I'm dateable, I'm whatever, and like in my situation, I've written about it before, but I mean, I married somebody who was like asexual <laughs> and which anybody who knows me, it's, you know, or read any of my stuff that was like, a nightmare, you know, we had separate bedrooms, we, you know, it was just removed, you know, in f physical, physicality, but, you know, he, like, at the time, I was so scared that I would never, ever have a partner, because, you know, I was doing this job, and he was also smart, and, um, you know, it was like, I had a good job, and in a lot of ways, it came from a good family, it was like, so, seductive of oh if I do this then it looks then I'm okay you know then um it's not so bad what I'm doing because see somebody like this would marry me but he, it was like also a kind of like when you marry someone and they didn't tell you by the way that he was asexual he kind of faked not being asexual until after we were married and then it became you know we can't even stay in this we can't be in the same room can't sleep in the same room, we can't have physical contact, I mean, it was very, um, like a nightmare, you know, and I, and I wasn't good either, I mean, I, instead of just immediately going, oh, well, this is not acceptable, 
I, you know, cheated. And so, you know, it, you know, there's no, I'm not saying I, I handled it the right way. But anyway, I, that, I've given quite a bit of background of this sonnet now, so I'm going to read again because it's not about the man that I married. This was the kind of person that I would date, though, when I was stripping. It was all, um, this man that I wrote this sonnet about, I had dated before I became a stripper. And he actually treated me like, oh, you know, this is a relationship that could go somewhere. And we were, whatever. Then when I made the decision to be the stripper, I became the, like, sexualized, not, like, not acceptable to be seen with in public person. But, you know, oh, I'm, I can obsess over you sexually and we can, you know, do things like what I'm about to read to you. Again, again is all he says to you. Thigh-high black socks, a kitchen, counter, stage, strip show, reveal. Moth pallor calves, a cross-legged thigh, pink plaid, sneak peek, half-heart of ass. The glow across your kitchen, amber, ash. He drops, defiles your tile. Hands occupied, up-down movements, slow peel, surreal of socks. He stops you with again. Hour he strokes, smokes, he frowns, you wouldn't dare. You're barely even there. Untouchable, beguiler, baby face displaced, once teacher, girlfriend material, a topless occupation has erased, your countertop. In tears, but you'll pretend that this is what you want to do again. And yeah, this was just a poem I wrote about being on my countertop in the kitchen, my kitchen in the dark, after um, working and entertaining this guy by pulling my sock, my thigh-high socks up and down in a seductive manner, <laughs> um, endlessly, you know, while he masturbated. <laughs> And um, it was just such a sad, I felt so um, untouchable, you know, and so just an object that, you know, and this was a person I had actually dated before that I actually, yes, uh, you know, I'm not opposed to like doing a scene like this, you know, with somebody that you were intimate with, but like th this is what it, all it was now, you know, and so it was so degrading and degraded like of a relationship like this is what it had amounted to and you know I was just I, I felt so low you know so low so um I'm gonna read one more sonnet and this one is about one of my favorite places I used to write in all the time before the pandemic and now and I haven't been inside of one since the pandemic you know um like I, I drive and, and get coffee through the drive-thru, but um, I haven't been in a Starbucks, like, to sit down and, you know, do anything, you know, in all this time. And back when I um, used to ride in one, 
I wrote the sonnet, um, just kind of inspired, you know, I get inspired about anything. And this is definitely not me, a made up character in this. And it's like an over the top sexual poem. So we're going to earn our explicit rating <laughs> of this podcast here and be very suck slutty. But this is just a poem I wrote because, um, <laughs> you know, I was imagining how, you know, coffee shops now are like, pickup bars in a way I mean like you know so many people when I used to write in them you would see these people who were sitting there um you know with their little perfunctory book you know that you know well you know like bring something to look busy but they're actually like scoping around and you know kind of checking people out and I'm a people watcher too, so I mean it could have been for a book. But I think some people now it is a coffee shop or a bookstore, a coffee shop or whatever is a definite place where, you know, it's kind of like a singles market too. And so I wrote this poem about a girl who goes to hook up with men at Starbucks. And it was a lot of fun to just be over the top debaucherous and also um, with socks. So here is Starbucker, mermaid knee socks, tiara, star, space bun, sea green, a beat up car, a soy latte with extra foam, the clouds black lips, pink tongue that roams, faux shy eye contact, Saturday boy, peak above Lolita, paperback, a ploy, Friday, her play, story of O, a cappuccino, buzz cut, blowjob, snack to go, a siren, jade nails, stiletto, around a stranger's wrist, he won't say no, her nose and sexist, ass and air, backseat, broad daylight, parking lot, affair, fellows follow, flavor today, dark creamy, sweet, her cravings cock with a chaser, caffeine, disposable liaisons, lust, forest, green. <laughs> yeah, that's one of my most over the top. I'm, um, <laughs> but at the same time, it, it, you know, it's not about me, but it definitely comes from my experience of being in Starbucks, which it feels so odd now, like it was such a part of my life before I mean I would go like a lot of days of the week you know and sit in Starbucks and work on things and it was because I could wear my headphones and I would you know tunnel in and sometimes I would people watch because you get ideas if something just really jumped out at you but the best thing about it for me was I was um removed from my house where you know it's easy to look around um, and go, oh, okay, look at that, there's some laundry I need to do, or, oh, you know, uh, you get distracted by, you know, your life and the, the things that are right around you, and I love writing in coffee shops because you're just removed, and, like, I don't go to school, so I don't have, like, that library experience, although I, I would write it in a public library, too, but I'd like to have coffee. <laughs> That's the difference. I do. That chaser caffeine is very important to my writing process. I cannot write without coffee. And I wish I was more of a tea person. I do love tea, but when I'm writing, I have to have coffee. It's just like it sets my brain alive. <laughs> so I'm, I'm also a, a coffee slut but, uh, and a sock slut and a sonnet slut. 
but it just means, you know, I'm passionate about those things, passionate and um, can never have enough of them. And so thank you for you guys for listening. And uh, once again, I'm just so thrilled with how this podcast is going. It's so nice to be able to, um, now that I have it, you know, where I get to see my statistics and how many people are listening, it excites me because, you know, like before when I had um, the the show with someone else and they would tell me oh you guys are listeners and I don't didn't know what that meant you know and then now being able to see like oh wow I have this many dedicated listeners you know and it's just nice to know that when I do these like somebody's like oh I'm excited a new you know podcast is coming out because because regardless I would do it regardless now because it's like a therapy but at the same time it makes it knowing that people are listening, it feels like a true connection. And I love that. And so thank you guys for being that. And um, I will see you next week for the Christmas Isle, you know, um, show, torture and tinsel, I should say, because just to make sure you understand <laughs> that it's not going to be, you know, all, all um, candy canes and sugar cookies. There's going to be a little bit of darkness, but we're going to have some loveliness too. So thank you and good night until next week. Cuddle up with something because I am and I'll be whispering to you next week. Christmas goodness. Kristen Whispers Sonnets. Join me for a sonnet bedtime treat.